Well, good morning, church. Hope everything's going all right. I hope you guys had a great week. Uh, just to give a little insight of uh, Drew and I's week, uh, we spent our week here at LCA and we helped them install uh, all new lights above and in the catwalk and got uh, new speakers uh, up high. I can tell you when you're on a fork or you're on a lift and you're that high up, any movement is just starts swaying and swaying. And it's and it's. I think I inhaled. Uh, or breathed in 30-year-old dust this week, um, so I might grow an extra tail. Uh, but I can say that um, I might be able to, I'm not scared of heights. I can get up really high. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, Drew, on the other hand, is a little scared of heights, but it's okay because he is great at technology, and I have no idea how to work that computer, and he designed all the lights and got the sound uh, really good, so I couldn't have done any of this without him. I could just go up really high and we have lights, but they wouldn't work. So, thank goodness uh, we have somebody like Drew. Um, so, I we are we're talking about Philippians. We've been here for a couple weeks now, and I think we have two weeks left to go through this book. And we've kind of been looking at Paul at a different angle. You know, Paul in this book has been in prison, and he's learned that he is not getting out. That he still needs to continue to do ministry and continue to love God and continue to serve God even though he's in a situation that he doesn't want to be in. And he's trying to work through the motivation, and he's trying to work through this scenario of, is he kind of useless for the gospel at this point? Though he cannot control his current situation of life, he's in jail, he can't go and preach, he can't plant more churches, he can't pour into the next generations of ministers. So what does he do in prison? And he's coming to this situation, he's coming to this point, where he's trying to be resilient. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I, want to, I have a really pointed question to ask you. How do you feel today? Do you feel tired? Do you feel the, the weight of going into work tomorrow because it's Sunday for most of you? I know church is exciting. We, we, we come together. We get to see our friends. We get to fellowship. We get to listen to some awesome loud music. We get to see lights. We have a great sound system. We have things that are motivating and building new every single week here at Elevate. And it's really excited. But a lot of you have to go to work tomorrow. A lot of you have to go into a situation tomorrow where you have to make decisions that you don't want to make. A lot of you have to go and you have to travel tomorrow and you're not looking forward to it. Some of you already know what you're walking into work tomorrow and you're looking for, and you're like, no, I don't even want to deal with that tomorrow. I just want to sit and deal with the current situation today. See, we've just come out of this entire situation where life has changed for the most of us. Life has changed completely. And, we, and we've, whether you know it or not, we view life completely different than we did three years ago. Things are just not the same. We have crazy things that are happening, whether it's at home, whether it's our political agendas, whether it's online wars, whether it's different wars, whether in our country or outside of our country. We're coming out of a pandemic where we don't even look at each other the same way. Some of us are still trying to rework the, our minds on how we view our neighbor compared to what we did three years ago. 
Some of us have to wear masks every single day because of our job. Not saying whether that's right or wrong, but you literally had to learn how to communicate a, di a completely different way. You don't just communicate with smiles or frowns or smirks, but now you have to communicate all of that with the rest of your body, which becomes exhausting. And I could go on and on and on. But I, I'm tired. I'm really tired. How are you guys doing? These studies have shown that all of this has caused significant trauma for every single one of us. That over the past years, we have been operating, the studies have shown that all of us have been operating probably at a 40% capacity. That, become, that people become exhausted so much faster. People lose focus so much faster. People have short-term memory loss. People are making mistakes that they weren't making three years ago. And we have a whole generation of people that think they are suffering from ADD. People are now really focused on going through an emotional process rather through a logical process. And every number that we don't want to increase and every number we don't want to decrease is moving in that direction. Deaths are up, attempted suicides are up, depression is up significantly in men, in young men. There's gun violence is up, the number of schools, uh, the, the, the numbers in schools, so how well kids are doing in school is significantly down. And overall in the United States and in the world, productivity is at an all-time low. And everybody in, 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 in our government and everybody around is just saying, you know, that's because of the pandemic, that's because of this, that's because of that. But studies have shown that these are symptoms of trauma in our life. Trauma that needs to be fixed. Trauma that needs to be healed. And we have a whole bunch of people that are saying, you know, humanity is resilient. You know, we, we can get through this. We, as a society, have gone through a much worse. Don't worry, things will be fine. But guess what? I'm worried. I look at how we're doing as a people. I look at how, what we, what, 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 how people are viewing us from our social media and, and through our, our online presence. I look at what our government is saying and what our professionals are saying. And I understand that they're trying to, to be optimistic and they're trying to push things forward and they're trying to help. But in reality, we're not as resilient as we think we are. And we need healing from that. See, Paul, the writer of this book, is going through a lot of the same things that we have gone through over the past three years. That his whole life has been flipped upside down and not only is he not able to go and preach outside, but the people outside of the prison are making life more difficult for him. Or he's being beated, beaten because of the preaching. He's being starved because of the preaching. And he has to watch as his friends go all about planting churches and, and, and expanding the gospel. And he has to sit in prison where he cannot control anything in his life. But Paul shares something in Scripture and in his other writings that no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how much trauma there is in a way, 
there is a way to be resilient. And that leads me to my main point, which is resilience only comes by living in the Spirit. Philippians 3, 10 through 14 is what we're going to read today, and this is what it says. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have been taken a hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straightening towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The resilience that Paul has, the desire to move forward, is something we need to learn. How do we press forward when there's so much behind us? You go through seasons where you feel like just a withered plant. You feel like things are not going to plan. And you have a direction for your life and you just need these things to happen so that you can just have some sort of ease and rest in your life. And that we're pointing towards something in our life and say, if this just happens, then I can finally rest. If this just happens, I finally can have some ease in my life. If this just happens, this will solve all my problems, and I can only, at that point, rest. See, Paul had so many different plans in his life. Drew mentioned last week that he was on the fast track to becoming a Jewish leader, something that nobody had ever seen up to this point. That Paul had a plan to preach to so many different people and convert him in his life. But Jesus literally took him where he was on a path towards becoming a Jewish leader and flipped his entire scene upside down. And we talked about a few weeks ago that even though the good has happened where Jesus took you from where you were and placed you in a new position of life, there still needs to be a mourning of the loss, even though it's good. And then Paul got really excited about his new life in Christ, and he went to his old co-workers, and he tried to preach to them and say, look, there is this new life in Christ that I need to show you. And instead of being welcomed, he was welcomed with pushback. And he was welcomed with hate. And for his own good, the disciples sent him to another direction to get away from his own co-workers. Talk about your plans being completely halted. Not just once, but twice. And now he's in a whole new season of life where his plans that he had his entire life have been halted to a spot. And he can't do anything about it. Maybe you wanted to have, maybe you had an expectation for your career that you haven't reached yet. And you just say, like, maybe once I get to that point, I can have rest. Maybe you wanted to be married by now, and it hasn't happened. 
Maybe you wanted to have kids by now. Maybe you thought that you'd be in a, a, a certain financial situation where you could have some ease. Maybe you thought you'd be retired by now. And at every point of your life, you just further and further put this checkpoint further down the road where you say, you know, once I reach this, once I reach this goal, then I will have rest. See, if there's ever a sermon in my life that I could preach, this is probably the one for me. There's been so many different points in my life and in my professional career that I just point down the road and say, you know, once this is done, once this happens, then I can have rest in my life. I can even remember when I first started interviewing for churches and I thought I was going to be hired by this church in southern Indiana that had a great reputation. It was a church of 800. Their youth group was like 100 kids. And their previous three youth ministers had left that church and went to a mega church to go on and do amazing things. And I thought that this was the key to the rest that I've been looking for my entire life. That I could go to a church that I could just immediately make it in the church scene. And then a few years down the road, I remember we, my wife and I found out that we were going through a struggle that we couldn't have kids. Or there was a very small chance that we were able to have kids. And I remember both of us looking at each other in the bedroom every single night for like two years and said, you know, once we have kids, once God gives us our kids, everything will be better. Then we can have rest. We actually said that. For those who have kids, you're laughing. And I can go on and on with these stories. And I'm sure you guys can too. Where you just look at the current situations in your life and you look towards something that you want and you say, once I get this, then I will have rest. Once I get that. And we can go on and on where we relied on our own decisions in our life and the decisions of others, whether or not we're going to be fine. In my life, I, at this point when I was struggling, where we were struggling to have kids, I thought it was impossible to fully connect to the Father at every single point of our life. I felt like there was times in my life where I was being led by the Spirit, that my life was going in a certain direction, where I was like, you know, this is what God wants for my life. And then there is many more times than that where I was just wandering in my life, making decisions that I thought were best for my family. And I was just praying and hoping that my path towards success and God's path somewhat collided at some point in my life. And I would just pray for that moment and say, God, I hope that your plan and my plan connects so that I can have rest. But there's examples that Paul shares where he says we need to press on. But how do you press on when you feel so lost? How do you press on when you feel so stuck in your life? How do you press on when there is literally so much stuff behind you that you haven't worked through yet? See, Jeremiah 17, 5-8 says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. That person is like a bush in the wastelands. 
they will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt lands where, there, where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that, see, that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I think sometimes we get so caught up in these man-made ideas of the world that we forget where our true power comes from. Where our true strength comes from. And where the resilience of the Lord comes from. I think sometimes we go through situations and we're so worried about something that might go wrong, that could go wrong at any minute, that we miss the blessings and comfort of God. Instead, in a world that connects to God, it doesn't seem to matter because we fail to have the ability to be fully connected to Him. See, Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may, he may strengthen you with the power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how, and how high and deep is the, Lord, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. No matter what's happening in our world, we can clearly see, or we should be able to clearly see how good God is, and how we can be strengthened in and out of season forever. So instead, what we do is we just look at milestones to declare whether or not we're good. Once we get that, once we get the job, once I'm done with this test, once I get that promotion, once I'm out of debt, once I'm married, we can look to finally receive comfort in the future. But Jesus says this instead, put yourself by the living water so that your, your roots grow deep within the water. So that you are literally filled and strengthened with power through all generations and in and out of season. That there's no reason to hide when things are going wrong. There's no reason to stop when things are going bad. And there's no reason to just give up when things are becoming too much heat. Because we are rooted in Jesus. See, Jesus in the book of John 
had a similar conversation with a lady called the Samaritan woman. See, Jesus was, was passing through this town onto another town, and his disciples went away, and he stopped by this well to get a drink of water. And this woman comes out of her tent in midday heat, which is scorching. Most people go and get their water at the beginning of the day because it's not as hot. And he comes in interaction, and she comes with interaction with Jesus. And she looks at Jesus and says, hey, do you want a drink? The thing about Jesus is he knows all things about all people. And he knew that this woman's biggest struggle in her life was that she was finding fulfillment in her partner. That she had, as now on her fifth man that she was with, because she was just going to find fulfillment in somebody else. And she was filled with, with grief and, and, and is ashamed of her current situation. So instead of going out with when, where all the other ladies are, she waits till everybody goes inside to escape the heat, and then she presents herself to get the water of the day so she doesn't have to have any interactions. And Jesus looks at her and, and asks if she would give him a drink. And when the, Jesus, and when the woman offers her a drink, Jesus answers this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Can we live a life where we do not thirst anymore? Can we live a life that does not desire to go looking for the next satisfaction or looking to the next milestone in our life? Can we live a life going towards the prize that Jesus places in front of us? And can we live a life that is resilient in this world, in and out of season? I think from this scripture, I believe it's true. It's not going to be easy. But it will be so satisfying. See, the first thing we need to do is we need to have faith in the power that comes with the resurrection. We need to keep that in the forefront of our minds at the beginning of every day, in the middle of every day, and at the end of every day. That there is always healing, there's always redemption, and there's always grace that comes with the resurrection. We need to always remember that Jesus and the gift that he has given us through the death is the first thing that we always remember. That no matter how far away we go, no matter how burnt out we get, no matter how many times we look to the expectations of man, that, there, that we can always have faith in Jesus and receive the power of grace that he gives freely to all of us. And once we have faith in that, we need to be rooted in the Spirit. In Jeremiah, we read this, that they will be like trees planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. And it does not worry when the drought, when the, sorry, it does not worry in, 
a year of a drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. We need to plant ourselves in the position where we align with the flow of the Spirit. Everything that we do needs to be connected and rooted in Jesus. It should be our main connection point towards life. It should be our first and the last, that everything that flows in and out of us. It should be the source of our power to be resilient to the world. Jesus gives an example in John 15, 5, where he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Being rooted in the Spirit allows us to produce in and out of season. See, my, father, my, my in-laws a few years ago bought a farm. And this is something that my, my father-in-law has been wanting to do probably for a very long time. He grew up on a farm. He, he, he did the farm life all the way up until he went to college. And it's been really cool to see him interact with my sons as they get to experience farm life for the first time. They ain't going to get it from me. I'm a city boy. I don't know nothing about it. So I ship him off to them, and he gets to have fun with, with my in-laws. And it's really cool to see him run through the fields aimlessly, getting into trouble. He gets to go experience the horses. He gets to experience new plants. And one thing that they've done over the past couple of years is they have uh, tried to plant some produce so that the kids can learn. And that, so that us as a family can experience that as well. But last year they tried to uh, plant some sunflowers. And they just wanted to see how sunflowers would grow. So they got a bunch of different types. They got really small ones which only go, go up to about your waist. And then they bought ones that are a little bigger that go up to about your head. And then they bought these mega ones that go up to like 9 foot, 10 foot tall. And they, they realized that as they were growing, my son, Christopher, found a lot of attention towards the bigger ones that had the really big heads. And he went over to one and he ripped the head off of one and ran away. But week after week, they would slowly go out to see how the produce was doing, to see how the green beans were doing, to see how the watermelon were doing. But sunflowers slowly grow over the season and they don't come to a head until about September. And every single one of these sunflowers were slowly growing, but there is this one, because it had been derooted from the ground, never grew and slowly withered away. And my son goes over and picks it up and he goes, oh no, it's broken. And I went and I got down on my knee, and I'm sure my in-laws did the same, and explained to my son that if you take the plant from its source of food, that it will no longer be able to produce anything. In fact, it will slowly wither away and the heat will probably take advantage of it. When we are in season where it's hard, when we're in a season when we're unsure, and when we're in a season when we feel like we're not in control at all, we need to make sure that we are properly rooted in the Spirit so that we receive the power that Paul talked about. So that we can press forward towards the goal in Christ Jesus and nothing else. 
that it's not when I reach the next milestone in my life, I will receive rest, but I am rooted in the Spirit and I receive rest at all times in and out of season. So many of us bail at the first sight of struggle and never place ourselves next to the stream that gives us life. So many people never get to truly experience and taste and see that the Lord is good because they never ever place themselves in line with the Spirit. So that when the, when the heat comes, when the drought happens, when you lose your job, when you can't have kids, you're not married, you're not getting the job expectations you have, it doesn't matter because you receive your power and fulfillment by the Spirit and not of things of this world. That so many people don't get to experience the pleasing nature of God, but just crumble under the first signs of struggle in our life. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. The last thing that we need to do is a spiritual practice called benevolent detachment. This was something that was developed shortly after Jesus, where you would find yourself a quiet space. And just for a few moments, you would take everything that you're struggling with in your life, all the, the failures and the expectations that you place on yourself, all your fears and anxiety in your life, and you literally place them on Jesus and allow him to hold your burden so that you can just rest for a few moments in your life. The, the people in the, in, in the early days of Christianity would do this at the beginning of the day before they started their work. And when they got home, before they did anything, they would sit and they would take all of their struggles and they would place them on Jesus so they could rest just for a few moments before they experienced their family. If you want to experience healing in the trauma-filled nature of today, if you ever want to start by going closer and closer to resilience in your life where you can be filled with power and healing by the Holy Spirit, you need to practice benevolent where you just give it to God. If you want to practice resilience there needs to be a moment where you allow your mind and your body and your spirit to just rest for a minute in your life and give it to Jesus. The only way that we can truly experience resilience in our life is if we live by the Spirit. I'm going to pray for us today. I'm going to pray for the different traumas that we've experienced in our life just in the past few years. I'm going to pray that you really dive deep into your, into your being and you really look in, inward and see how well you are doing. Studies show that we're only operating at a 40% capacity and those who have worked a really long time and, and those especially who are bosses and have a lot of people under you you probably have seen a decrease in productivity in your people in the past three years than you did 
for 30 years beforehand. That doesn't mean that they're bad people or that they're lazy or anything. It's literally because there is so much trauma in their life that they don't know how to be resilient anymore going forward. And if we want to show a world that can receive healing, it first needs to start with us. If we want to have that testimony to show that believing in Jesus, having faith in Jesus actually works, it needs to start with the people in this crowd so that we can show the people outside that there is true healing at the foot of the cross. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the day. Thank you so much for the examples of Paul that even though he's in prison, even though that he is in a terrible situation, even though he cannot control his current situation, he understands that he is rooted in Jesus and he can be fulfilled only by him and nothing else. God, I pray that we are a people that have faith in the power that comes in the resurrection, that we are rooted in the spirit and we practice benevolent detachment and give it literally to Jesus just for a few moments so that we can, can, so that we can receive healing. God, the only way that we can receive healing in our life is if we truly give it to you. And I pray that we start practicing that starting today. That if we want to be resilient in this life, and we want to show others that you can be resilient, that, that we understand that it only comes by living in your spirit. So God, direct us, set our hearts on fire towards you, and remind us that through all things, we need to glorify you and find fulfillment in you and your son. God, you are good, and I ask this all in your son's name.